This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I was about to say welcome to 2018, but that was last week, right? But I guess we're still probably writing 2017 on like checks, whoever writes checks anymore, or like your homework, or uh, I don't know. Where do people write dates? Anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Nikki Money from the band Nothing from Death to Lovers. He also played in a great hardcore band called Horror Show. And uh, this this episode has been a long time in the making, in my head at least, because he, I've always admired what he's done musically. He seems like a very uh, creative individual, uh, a guy that's had a lot of uh, turmoil in his life. But throughout it all, he's always been able to, um, I'm about to say come out ahead, but you know, that's, that's maybe debatable, but he's always been able to, um, you know, put amazing art in the world. And I, I respect that, you know, uh, cause it's, it, it's difficult to expose yourself and to put yourself out there. And so, uh, the fact that, uh, Nick is very open about, uh, not only his past, but, uh, you know, his, his struggles that he goes through and just, uh, kind of everything. And it's all put out there. I just, uh, I can't help but admire that. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got for that. Uh, visit noecho.net, please. I know I tell you every episode, but some of you are not doing that and I'm pointing at you. I'm talking to you. Visit the website. They have great content from a punk hardcore metal perspective. You know, photographer spotlights, vinyl collector spotlights, just a lot of cool articles, I guess, you know, about uh, independent music. So uh, you should get into it. And uh, what else do I got to tell you? My life is good. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, Been doing a lot of traveling recently. The Taken shows. I didn't tell you about those because I was supposed to put out a bonus episode and uh, I did not uh, I did, did not do that. But uh, the Taken shows were spectacular in Canada last month, and uh, I'm going to be gearing up to doing some more and uh, releasing our new EP, and I'm very excited about that. I'll play you some music at some point. For those of you that uh, I actually met up in Canada when uh, we played the shows and were like, hey, I you know just came to the show because I really like your podcast. It's like, wow, that rules, man. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's that I'm moving into my new house finally in the next couple weeks. And I've been living with my parents for well over a year and, um, I love them to death, but holy crap, it gets, uh, gets a little tiring. Like right now I'm recording in the living room because no one is here and, uh, you're just living on top of each other constantly. And that's, uh, that's hard after a while. So I'm very excited to be in the new space shortly. And, um, yeah, like I said, Nikki was uh, was just a great guest, and this conversation is extremely loose. You know, I, I know that most of these are just conversations, and uh, obviously not scripted in any capacity. But uh, Nikki was uh, hanging out with his friends at a bar. Uh, I mean, he was. I know that's going to sound like, oh my gosh, like this conversation could be terrible. Uh, you're going to hear a bunch of uh, you know crazy people in the background, and you do hear a little bit of that. But uh, Nikki was super focused and wanting to hang out and talk with me. And I really appreciated that because, uh, yeah, he could have just been hanging out with friends, drinking and shooting pool. But uh, he didn't do that. So, well, he did do that, but not when we were discussing. So thank you very much, Nikki. And I also want to thank out my thank out. That's a new word, right? Thank out. (laughs) I want to thank my friend, Stephanie, who uh, does his PR and uh, has worked with him for uh, a while on various projects. Thank you to Stephanie for hooking us up. Anyways, here is my discussion with Nikki. All right? Get excited. Woohoo! 
And I definitely got keyed into you when you obviously were playing in a horror show. And it, it seemed it seemed to me that, that, that the, style of, the style of music that you guys were doing, you know, was definitely reminiscent of the, the time in regards to, you know, other bands like American Nightmare and Panic and all that sort of stuff. Did you ever feel like you kind of fit in with that scene or were you guys just kind of like the weird band from Philly that did this sort of weird, aggressive hardcore? Well, I mean, I was super close with all those guys at the time. Like I was at that, at that time that uh, Gibby from Panic uh, was was throwing, uh, you know, he was starting to get into like DJing and throwing parties up in Boston all the time. Uh, and Wes was like, you know, like starting to come out of his shell a bit more because he was, you know, he's in a popular band and, you know, uh it was a it was a strange time. There was like make out club and all that shit going on at that point. And like you know, these dudes were having like great parties. It was like all dudes that were in the hardcore, but were also into like you know New Order, do Joy Division, and like Smiths and all this stuff. So like we all like kind of linked. And uh, you know, at that point, like I was I was living in Philly, but I was real close with them. So like I would bring up like a hundred pills of ecstasy from Philly up to Boston, and like you know sell all ecstasy to everybody and then we would just like while out for like a, like four days and then i would go back down to philly and uh i mean we became really close so like yeah like i mean that was like for sure like it was like you know panic american nightmare horror show or like three like a like a uh you know a triple threat kind of you know right. like right. we were we were for what uh, you know you know at one point like i felt you know it was pretty like the most comfortable I ever felt like, you know, with being around people, uh, you know, everyone was so uptight into that point. And I finally found some people that like, you know, I felt like I can completely be myself around and stuff. And, you know, no, that's then there was lots of drugs involved as, as well. Plus, I mean, on the, on my, on the back end, we're talking about like 2000, 2001. Uh, and I'm getting ready. Like I was already sentenced at that point. Uh, for prison for 2002 so everything felt like it was literally like a day-to-day thing and i never really knew how like the, the night was going to end or anything so it was it was pretty poetic in that form you know yeah no i, I really like that that depiction because it was you know it, i didn't really reflect on it as such but it, it was a weird time for these people who were ostensibly you know just weirdos in their high school to all of a sudden have kind of you know national attention playing in a band and then to be also kind of popular in this different you know scene of yeah it was it was new it was new for all of us for sure uh and you know and and those guys really liked all, all those philly guys that were coming up there at that point because you know a lot of these kids were like suburban kids and we were like you know the kind of like leatherneck like kind of like rough around the edges kind of guys you know always getting into trouble always fighting and stuff and so like we got up there it was like it was really cool for us Philly guys. So I said, like it started with me and then it was like me and like me and Bushy. And then a couple other guys like came up and by the end I was bringing like carloads of Philly guys up to Boston all the time. And, you know, we were just like partying pretty much. And it was, it was a interesting time, but also, like I said, you know, having that in the background in the shadows lurking, knowing that that, that ticking clock was coming where I was going to have to turn myself in. It was just like a lot to deal with. Like a, a lot of nights went from being like really fun to turning really dark by the end of the, by the morning hours, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. Cause you were on borrowed time. You were just like, well, I got to have fun. But then the reality sets in and you're just like, shit, I got to do this thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it never really left my train of thought very often uh, at times, but it was fleeting, but it always, you know, got its way back into my head for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of reflecting on you yourself, were you born and raised in Philly or where did you come up? Yeah, I grew up in like, uh, like Northeast, North Philly. Like I lived in Frankfurt for a while. I lived in a Wissanoming uh, a long time. I lived in Kensington for a while. So, I mean, but yeah, like center, you know, like the middle, actual Philadelphia, you know, that, that term, it's thrown around pretty loose as, as you can imagine. But, uh, yeah. Well, especially all the people that live in, you know, Doylestown are like, oh, yeah, we're from Philly. It's like, well, yeah. no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm an extreme advocate of making sure that people know that I'm actually from Philly. I guess that's just like a, it's like a, it's a really dumb thing to, to really, you know, make a point, but it, it always has been for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, especially too, because it's easy for people to rep a certain city when, they're just close to it. And it's like, well, you don't actually have the experience of what it's like to be raised in this city. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's like a, it's, it's, everyone has their own thing growing up. And I don't, I mean, obviously there's people that have insane upbringings in any kind of environment, which I just never understood why people weren't just like more open about like where they came from, because it doesn't really matter where the fuck you're coming from. Because you could have any kind of fucking problem wherever the fuck you're at. You know what I mean? But I, I, I just, it always bothered me. I don't know why. Probably just easily bothered. <laughs> um, and so uh, kind of on that same tip, the, um, you know, your, your upbringing in the city, like what was your family structure like? Like, you know, I, I know you were estranged from your father for a little bit, but like were mom and dad in the house initially and like, do you have brothers and sisters? I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really recall much time of my dad being around. Uh, it, it was more along the lines of when he was coming back, trying to sort shit out that he fucked up before that I, that we really started to become a relationship. And by that point I was just like a fucking piece of shit maniac. Right. That was a complete accident. So don't even fucking try that. The one was not the other one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry, my friends are playing pool at this bar. No, no worries. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, that was a good shot. They, you know, he, he, the, the, the most memories I have from him, like around that time, I was only like seven or eight years old. Uh, and it was like, you know, him like fucking chasing my family around the house, like with a belt and shit, you know, like typical, like lower middle class, like, blue collar family right abuse it doesn't really tend to happen as much as it does these days uh as it used to in like the 80s and stuff but uh you know it, it, it was basically it was basically like just my mom holding shit down working right. a couple jobs and then her you know dealing with like three kids that were just like on like their own separate destruction path pretty much maybe in like the baby out of the three right and so you you, you had two older brothers or brother or sister i had an older brother and an older sister Got it. sunday sunday was the metal head and jesse was the uh the the, the ever blossoming punk skinhead uh hardcore and eventual like indie slow dive fucking guy right uh, 
you know, he went the whole the whole route. So right. Well, yeah, he, I mean, it was it was always it was it was always it was always just like every all three of us just going in three lightning bolts. You know, just like my mom trying to hold shit down, and you know, right. <laughs> well, I never will have a kid for sure because I know that I'm in a world of payback coming my way. <laughs> It's it, it's. I find it interesting that all of your siblings, like you said, were all into their own areas of subculture and music. So, like, you know, I guess everybody just kind of got into it, like, on their own with you know other friends kind of influencing them. Well, my mom was a my mom was definitely a really big influence on all of us, like artistically. Uh, you know, and my dad, when he was around, was too in his own way. You know, he kind of gave us our style, and my mom kind of gave us like a little bit more intelligence than he had to offer. Uh, my dad was kind of like, you know, OG like OG like wannabe black guy. You know, he worked in an all black union, drove around in a giant Lincoln, dressed super fly, always spent his money on jewelry, uh, doing a lot of illegal shit. You know hanging around the neighborhood you know uh listening to old soul and old funk like yeah and then my mom was the exact opposite my mom was like a hippie beatnik in the 60s like loves like poetry and folk music but also like was like got into in the, the 80s got into like a lot of like post-punk stuff like Susie and cocteau twins and like the cure uh, so like, you know, it was very well-rounded and, and, you know, out of that, like my sister found metal heads that she kind of met up with and for, kind of Jesse kind of, kind of got her into some like cooler metal stuff. And then Je- Jesse kind of really led the way as far as like the musical taste went. I mean, that's where I got a lot of my stuff from between him and my mom. Got it. Got it. And do you, like at, at any point did you kind of I mean like you said your your father was into you know <laughs> weird illegal stuff like did you ever uh, did you ever think the stuff that he was doing was cool or was it always just like you just did, you were too young to understand it? I'm sorry, can you, you you kind of broke up a tiny bit right there? No, it's okay. I was saying you know your father was like you mentioned into some you know weird stuff, weird illegal stuff. Did you ever I guess kind of like look up to him in a way or were you too young to recognize that? No, I, it took me a while to before I even knew that that shit was going on. Like, uh, you know, uh, when I was a teenager, my mom would kind of like kind of indulge me a little bit more uh, into what like stuff he was doing. I mean, it, it's obvious now. I know what you like what the union dudes were up to at that point. You know, especially like the the labor union where he was. It was like in the seventies and the eighties. Was like like an insanely like enterprising criminal you know underworld you know they were they were doing a lot of like a lot of a lot of illegal shit and there were feds who would come to our house all the time way after he was already gone like out with like this new lady that he was with you know uh and you know fed fed guys would come to the door and there would be two guys in suits i would never know what was going on but it wasn't until later on where my mom would be like yeah fed guys would come in the house ask his questions they would ask crazy questions like about like Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that. They just, they were just like, you know, they were just like, they're harassing us basically. They thought that we were hiding him and he was really just gone. Right. Uh, and you know, they just would come around and my mom would just be like, kind of just like, fuck off, get out of here. Like, what do you want to know? I'm not going to talk to you. Like type shit, like some like shitty good fellas, like one of these shit. Right, right, right. Did, did you ever, um, 
like you said, I, I, I guess at what age did you find yourself looking back on that being like, holy shit, like that was a real unstable environment? Oh, I mean, I don't know, man. Like everyone I grew up with is like kind of was in the same boat. So it never really seemed too weird. I mean, it wasn't until like way later until I realized like, you know, like being around other people that had like significantly way more normal lives where I was like, oh, well. And by that point, I was completely super comfortable with myself and who I was at that, you know. I never really had like an embarrassment point where I was like, oh, God, like. You know, like I, I always like embraced it rather than like was like because it was of the norm, you know, like actually like my I felt like my scenario was like way less crazy than some of my friend scenarios, you know, friends that I don't even see around that aren't around anymore. Like, you know, yeah, uh, mine seemed mild and tame compared to like some of the people that I started to be around and like, you know. Yeah, I guess and it's, it's still it's, like, it's, it still does seem mildly tame to most of them. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's not till I'm around like some real like normies that I can fucking you know right reflect on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, as you started to develop your own identity, um, you know, once you got into high school and stuff like that, what kind of you've always struck me as a you know a pretty friendly dude were but then so you know you you had the uh the the violence that kind of surrounded you um so what kind of kid did you find yourself being like you know did you have a short temper or were you just like no man i'm I'm cool with most people as long as they don't push me i mean a lot of this a lot of this stemmed from like you know I, i was a really peaceful peaceful human being for like the longest time uh and you know besides being like a troublemaker you know like a deviant kind of uh like i never was violent by any means uh you know and then my mom she she moved out of like frankfurt and up to the northeast and she you know she tried to move me to uh reintroduce me to like a catholic school after like six years or whatever of not being in any schooling like that i was in catholic school for a year and a half and i got like hit by a car and you know they wouldn't help with tuition so they had they, they took me out my mom like read off religion in the family basically like very openly was just like you know don't believe these people they're not here to help us kind of thing you know mm-hmm. uh we're here to help ourselves like you know you're here to work like that's how you make things happen it's type of you know thing so she tried to reintroduce me uh to the catholic school in like freshman year in high school and i lasted like two months before I got kicked out. I was getting like getting beat up like every other day by like these bro dudes, like nicknames, like literally would walk to the bus stop. If I happened to win, like start to win one fight with one of them, they would just jump me. It was literally like torture, honestly. Uh, that's awful. Were they, were they just were they just fucking with you based on the fact that they just like you know? I mean, I was a punk kid. I was like, okay. you know, I was like patches on my school bag and stuff, and you know, right. Just like bullshit, you know, and just like normal, typical shit. And these kids, this part of Philly is like, you know, is like not even from the neighborhood. They found out I was like from down there originally. So they would call me like, you know, dirtbag, like white trash, all this bullshit, you know. Right. So I was just fighting with those kids all the time. And uh, I finally just like lost it one time and like got kicked out, got yeah. sent to Frankfurt High School, which I wanted to go. That's where all the people I knew were. You know, that's like a, it's like a 80% black school, but like 
you know, that's like where everyone in my neighborhood was going. So I, I, I got my way and ended up back down in Frankfurt. And lo and behold, I barely got in any trouble down there. But I think that that, that little bit of time really did have some sort of effect on me because it was like right after that point where I started to, you know, I had never really been in a fight before until then. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, anytime I felt like I was pushed, I was like, wow. I was around a bunch of kids now that were ready to do this all the time, whenever, you know, and, and it just became custom, accustomed to, 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 to seem like the way to answer any kind of problem, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, especially too, where it's like, if you basically go in a sort of a defensive state of mind, it's hard to get out of that, even if you're in a different environment. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, like you said, you bounce around at schools and stuff like that. Did you ever, I guess, kind of like care about school or the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get a job and that sort of stuff? Or was that just kind of like, whatever, I'm just biding my time? Yeah, I mean, I literally never had a, never had a, I've never been a planner until I think it was post-prison. It was like where I, I started to like even divulge into like anything more than what was going to be like till the next day, you know, uh, I was pretty just like self-indulgent, uh, and, and, and not really, not really, uh, planning for much than, than what was, was going on right at the single moment. So got it. Got it. Um, so yeah, I guess in many ways, and I think a lot of people have spoken to you about this before, you know, it, Go, you know, going away for those two years gave you a, a kind of a renewed purpose in a way. Yeah. I mean, initially, uh, initially, no. Uh, I came home with it, like most dudes do, come home from prison with a pretty big chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, and I immediately came home and started, you know, like I got back into like selling coke and stuff around Philly, you know, uh, like yeah. like clockwork immediately on parole with like five years behind me. Like if I get caught, I'm going back to jail to serve five years, you know, and, and I just still was just out there, you know, still acting like a knucklehead pretty much. And, and, and you know, I don't know what it was. I mean, it was like a couple years down the line. I just like had like some sort of realization. I was like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this isn't even you. This isn't even what you've ever been about. Like, like you need to, like, straighten up. Like, you're going to be back in there again. And and I and I kind of did, slowly but surely. It wasn't, like, an overnight thing. But, right. you know, I saw one thing. It was, like, I, I stopped, like, just, like, letting myself be so... Uh, I can't think of the word right now. I mean, just so loose, pretty much. And... and, and uh, you know, just acting on uh, whatever emotion I felt immediately without like thinking about anything, you know, and, and that was sure. just, all my decision making was just like, you know, very fast and very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. You're acting, uh, you're acting on impulse. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, it was very impulsive behavior. That's the word I was searching for. Yeah. So yeah. I had a few beers already today. So no, you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> um, and I guess what uh, what started to attract you to you know like punk and hardcore um, was it just basically kind of you know the the community and energy behind it or was it just um, you know the other aspects of it like you know the DIY mentality and all that sort of stuff? I mean, originally, originally it was just straight up just uh, you know the fact that that's what all my friends were into and I, the music 
seemed right, like it fit, like you know, uh, it fit the it fit the the soundtrack for everything that was going on. So vivid, vivid and perfect, you know, and and I just loved being around like my friends, pretty much, you know, and uh, it it. <laughs> It never seemed like it was going to end ever, you know, and, and, and the music and then, you know, even when we started visiting, like when we managed to like get out of the neighborhood and started to go downtown to like, you know, when there were, where like most of the real punk shows were happening in like West Philly and like, uh, we, we, we suddenly realized pretty fast that we didn't really, it wasn't going to be like a, a community thing like that. Like we were going to meet these people and it was going to be like, oh yeah, these are people who are just like us too. It was like, we get down there and we find like that there's like a lot of punk kids that are not like us at all. And like way more civilized and like, right. and you know, like, uh, in, you know, better school, better parented and, and came from better places and, you know, uh, didn't act like savages, you know, uh, did, did terrible things too, but like in different ways than us, you know? Uh, so as you can imagine, it's like, it, it wasn't long before, like we started getting into like trouble with even those people from the, the, the scene in Philadelphia. Right. And when did it kind of, you know, cause horror show was ostensibly your first band, right? Like, or did you have other stuff you did? Before? I had like some city punk bands from before, uh, <laughs> that I played like guitar for and stuff, but it was like really nothing to mention. Yeah. Like, I mean, did you, did you like play, like start playing shows with those previous bands too and stuff? We played a couple of shows like in the neighborhood in Kensington and stuff like that, like some shows that like Geo Hardcore was putting on early on. Sure. Before he even knew anybody in the city either, you know, uh, and it was just like a bunch of like bands from the neighborhood, but they were like, like really like entry level, like punk band kind of things, you know, like there was like your typical like oi band that were like, just like all the songs were about drinking beers at this bar that we all like <laughs> to hang out and like try to get 40s and, you know, like typical shit, but like, in you know, inner city, obviously North Philly, like punk kids i guess you know right right and then we you know we get downtown and it's like people are taking pumpkins you know there's a lot of shit that we didn't know about that we were rolling in at like 14 years old you know <laughs> sure um and why, why why did you pick up guitar initially was that just like convenient? my bro- my brother played so uh he used to teach me like fucking minor threat songs and stuff and like misfits i think i knew how to play like like four misfit songs and at the same time, I was still listening to like fucking like um, Oasis was like, coming out at that point, and like you know all like the, some of the grunge stuff I was like still kind of into, you know. Right. Which is I, I love that time in people's music lives where you know you don't have to listen to a music because it's cool. You just listen to it because you like it. You know, it's like yeah, I like Oasis. Yeah. And I like this thing. It's like yeah, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, all, it's, it's all just music. Like, had no idea of like what what came with any of the music besides listening to it on a stereo you know like i, I had no idea till later on that like i had to hide the fact that the punk kids that i you know that i was loved green day for a while i was like i was like i can't tell anybody this they fucking think i'm a joke you know and it's about to get to a certain point you're like oh fuck everybody everyone sucks and everyone was listening to embarrassing shit when they were fucking 13 and 14 you know 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, that doesn't matter, man. I don't need to, I don't need to hide this from anybody. You know how it is though. It takes yeah. a while to realize that you gotta keep that shit in the closet. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You're like, I can't, I'm listening to this on my own time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny being embarrassed about Oasis and then you look and see what's going on now. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Suck, man. <laughs> um, and so as you started to, you know, play in horror show and, kinda, you know, get out and tour a little bit, um, did you like, I guess, that, that touring lifestyle or was that something that, you know, you uh, only liked in small doses? Well, I never really did much touring. I mean, we never even made it to the West Coast. Uh, right, right. Like on the East Coast, yeah. Yeah, and like, I mean, it was literally this, like, at that point, like the way I look at this shit, like now, like almost business-like, you know, uh then it was like everybody tried to jam in the van we're not even going to bring equipment like we're going to get used to everyone else's shit we're not going to even ask till we get there uh we're going to fill up the van with a hundred as many people as we possibly can no matter how uncomfortable it is and we're going to drive down to richmond we're going to play a show and all of us are going to fight the whole entire time horror shows playing and then we're going to go home and that was basically like the whole thing Right. <laughs> or or maybe not even get in a fight. It wasn't always like about fighting either. I don't want to paint the wrong picture, but like I mean, was it was that's I mean that's what it was. Put a ton of fucking kids in the van and fucking go and you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true, especially when it's like stealing food at every rest stop, like just like you know, dirty ass little degenerate kids. You know, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> um. And what, like, as you started, to, like you said, you know, just whatever, get out and play a few shows here and there. Um, was that kind of like, yo, I, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to like do this more, um, you know, prior to, you know, the, the jail sentence looming in your life. Was it like, yo, I gotta play in bands? Nah, man, it was never like that at all. It, it, it honestly was like, I, I, I really started to enjoy playing music. But uh, my mind was not at all focused on any of that shit. It was strictly about, like, uh, what I was about to try to get myself into and, and if I was going to make it or not. Uh, and that, that, weighed, that weighed heavy, the, the heaviest. So it was hard to think of anything. I mean, I still was making music. I still was designing everything writing most of the stuff with Josh who passed away later on. Uh, and, and that was it. Like, it was just like, it was like part time. Uh, and it was pretty, it was, it, you know, it means a lot now, but at the time it was just like a, another thing, you know, it was like a, it was a, it was like a, a form of expression to say, you know, uh, you yeah. know, it was a way for me to let things out. And, uh, I mean, I, I was going through things that, you know, it's tough, tough thing for a 19-year-old kid, an 18-year-old kid to swallow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you were dealing with adult shit when you weren't prepared to deal with that at all. Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't even drink in a bar yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm going to go to prison with a bunch of men, you know? It's, right. It, was, it, was, it wasn't easy, for sure. Yeah. You know? um, and and kind of speaking of that... Was it, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of presume that your method of survival once you were in prison is basically just kind of keep your head down and keep to yourself or, you know, how did you, I guess, preserve yourself? You'd think that would be the move, right? Yeah. yeah. For, for, for a smart person. <laughs> okay. Sorry. My fault. So what did, what did you do? <laughs> uh, I mean, I started that way. 
uh, the second I got to Camden County, uh, and, and I'd always tell this story where they put you in like a seven day lockdown. I won't get into this cause I could go on for a really long time. No, no. Yeah. I just, I, I, yeah. The mode of survival is what I'm most interested in. That's all. They, the, it, you know, I, I walked in and they put you in a seven day quarantine when you first in there in case you're like dope sick or anything or rather flu. So the first night I ate a bunch of Xanax and shit before I went in, uh, Kind of with the intentions of like, well, if I wake up from this, that's uh, I wake up. If I don't, fuck it, too, you know. Right. So I woke up to like the sound of like a, a kid screaming, crying. It felt like it was going on for so long before I actually could open my eyes and wake up. And uh, it went on. For, it went on for hours, man. And I was just sitting in this cell by myself, like cold as fuck. It was winter. It was November, so it was pretty fucking cold in Camden. And uh, just listening to this kid crying and screaming, like, why am I in here? Like, someone help me, all this shit. So I asked the CEO later on, like, what had happened with that kid. And, and, and I found out that he was, like, he was out one night, like, looking for his girlfriend. Like, and he smoked a bunch of, like, wet. He was an 18-year-old kid, smoked a bunch of wet. Seen his girlfriend talking to some dude out front of a, a club and walked up to a kid and shot the kid in the head. Oh. Uh, and, and it wound up being his the girl's cousin. And, you know, they, they locked him up that night and he fucking woke up like when he sobered up, I guess, and had no idea what he had even did. And I was just like, man, what the fuck? You know, and this is like my introduction to this shit. And then, you know, I go put in the general population with like the worst block because my crime was like a violent offender a violent crime so I got stuck in with violent offenders as I should it's like you want to fucking do this shit like you better grow up and this is where you're going to be you know and the first night I slept in there I woke up my shoes were gone I walked out of my cell and as a Puerto Rican dude standing with like four other Puerto Rican dudes on the other end of the jail just wearing my shoes just like politicking like nothing was really going on Right. And I so walked you, over. I yeah. walked over to him. I'm like, yo, man, I think you got my shoes on. He's like, I think you think I got your what? You know, I'm like, I think you got my shoes on. He's like, all right, well, come in my cell. Let's talk about it. So I already knew what it was. So boom, boom, boom. I get beat up. I go back to my cell. They call a count. Just the, the CEO comes and looks in the window. I'm like kind of hiding my face because it's like lumped up. They open the cells again. I go back over to them to try to get my shoes again. They're about to beat me up again. And, like, some of their old head guys came over and were like, look, you're causing too much heat over here. Give the kid his shoes back. So they gave me my shoes back. But then, like, I had, like, beef with these, like, the younger guys, like, the whole time I was in Camden County. So I was, like, fighting, like, every other day in there for, like, three months until they, until I got moved to, like, actual prison. But, um... In actual prison, it was, like, way, way easier. Like, people were way more chilled out. Like, a lot of people were, like, working towards getting, like, paroled and stuff. So, I mean, I got in a couple things, but as I got more comfortable, I was just, like, in there, like, you know, like, playing cards all the time, gambling. I got really into gambling, and mm -hmm. I was good at playing cards, so I started to develop, like, I started to develop quite a, like, like chest full of commissary. Uh, right. Stuff to trade. I'm sorry? I said, yeah, right, like stuff to trade. 
Yeah, so then I became like this dude that had a shit little white kid that I had like a ton of shit. Like I had some respect in there because I wasn't afraid to fight or anything, but like I'm still by myself, not affiliated to anybody and, you know, floating. So, you know, I would make some moves and kind of like grease the right people in the, in the right places. I had like a pretty strong connect to this one CEO I knew that knew somebody on the outside. So like when I was going outside details to do shit, like, he would let me sneak Burger King back in or McDonald's, and then I would always hit, like, the right people with, like, a burger here and there. So it was a little bit of, like, had to work it, you know what I mean? I wasn't in there, and, like, I wasn't in there, like, you know, getting extorted, you know, like, but I had to grease the right people to, like, make myself be able to survive. Not even survive. Honestly, I was, like, living, like, in there. Like, I had, like, everything I needed at one point. I had, like, I was, like, only dude in my that had a blanket and a radio you know people see that shit and they're like what the fuck is this little white kid have all this shit for? i'm gonna take this shit from him right. but i made it to where they really couldn't so it was just like planning you know what i mean like and i think that's when i really started to realize that like if i'm using my brain a little bit more i can <laughs> kind of get shit done and rather than being just like an emotional maniac yeah totally well it, it sounds like too that you know through you started to realize that like you had probably honestly value in a way where it's like, Hey, like, yeah, I'm not just this, you know, degenerate, like, yeah, I can be that, but like, I can also do shit if you put your mind to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's sick. It it sounds like too, like, you know, from the way you've spoken about it in other interviews that, you know, music was definitely, you know, foundational and kind of a salvation for you in many respects. Um, was that, was that true or is that, that just kind of hyperbole? Well, it was and it wasn't. It, I mean, it wasn't at first when I came home because we did some horror show shows and I came home and we had dreams of Grandora doing something like, you know, more along the lines of like what nothing was doing uh, with Josh. And then uh, we had plans to move to L.A. in a couple of years after we, I saved enough money. They went out. A couple of the guys from horror show went out to L.A. I was lagging behind. Uh, I was trying to save more money because uh, obviously it took me a little bit longer to find a job than everybody else had already been working and saving. And then uh, Josh, who I used to write all the horror show songs, like, got killed in a motorcycle accident. Uh, and then my friend Stoney, who I grew up with, died like in a got killed in a drunk driving accident as well. Like only like a year later. So once again, I felt like really stuck in Philly. Things got pretty hopeless, and music was definitely not on in the options at this point anymore. Uh, I was like, I'm not going to do this without Josh kind of thing, you know. Uh, and, you know, a lot of things happened, and I moved to L.A., and I got out of, like, a shitty relationship. I was, like, off and on on, like, some drugs and, like, kind of banged up in the world. Uh moved to LA had like a mental breakdown uh and I just had like an epiphany one night when I uh, like that I needed to like try play play music again you know yeah and how, and, uh, that was it and how did your um you know as you were going through all of this you know weird this trauma but then also you know the weird music you were bringing home and you know how was your mom reacting to all this stuff like you said she's kind of you know your, your main support system. Um, how was she reacting to this stuff as you were going through it? Oh, man. 
she's happy for sure. Um, it's like the one thing I could take away from this. Whenever I'm like even just shot with even the nothing stuff or anything else I'm doing, my, it's always nice to be like, you know, you the amount of stress I put on this poor woman in my life was turbulent, awful fucking up and down roller coaster I've made of my I've made of myself in my life. Uh, it's nice to have, have watch her be like, you know, proud and you know see 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 it like your your child like doing something that makes you smile and stuff and happy. So it's 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 a, that's like one thing I can always take away from this. No matter how uh, jaded I get about like everything that I do. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, and then, you know, as you, uh, as you, like you said, had the, you know, epiphany and you started to realize like, Hey, let's focus on making music. Um, you know, the, you, clearly nothing started slow in regards to, you know, you were just kind of putting music out there with some friends. Um, when did you kind of feel that it actually picked up momentum where people like recognized what you were doing? I think after the relapse thing, I'm guilty of everything came out where like, I was like, wow. I was like, I think like this is actually something this could could be important. Um, and uh, you know, by that point, like I was I was I was managing like ten bars in Philadelphia. Like I had bar worked my way up from a busboy out of prison to a part owner in one of the bars and like managing uh, eight other ones for them for the owner like overseeing all of them so like I, I got like over like 12 years of doing that like I, I learned how to like manage things pretty well I think as well as working in like customer service so like learn how to like swallow shit from idiots you know like a lot of things I learned from working in that fucking business uh also learn how to become a, a complete alcoholic as well, but uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> sure. Every job, every job has its fucking downfalls, I guess. But yeah, um, you know, it made sense to me. I was like, you know, finally after that record coming out, and there's like more money, and there's like things moving. I'm like, okay, it's time that I need to like really start to manage this. Like, like it's more like work shit, you know. And and I did, and then all of a sudden I was like, well, like, you know, I'm gonna quit working in these bars now and just try to do this full time while I can so I can really focus on it. And then, right. Six years later. There you go. Here I am. I'm <laughs> doing it. But um, pretty much right now with guys that I worked with in Philly and I'm asking them if I might have to pick up a couple shifts because our record's taking so long to come out at this point. <laughs> right, right, right. So I might not be managing it all that well. but That's oh, okay. You got to fill in the gaps here and there. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, you know, like you said, as you started to, you know, see that there was stuff happening on the business side of things, like, you know, do you like, do you like dealing with the business side of, of music or is that something that's just kind of a necessary evil? I hate dealing with money. Uh, I usually pawn money off on like management at this point, but you know, like we have manager management, but I, I still oversee everything because I'm a crazy person. Uh, and I never feel like anybody's doing as good a job as I would be doing. Right. It's probably a pretty awful trait, but um, I'm usually right about it, though. Like, I can't wait to be proven wrong one day. Uh, but 
yeah, I mean, I hate dealing with money, but I love dealing with like being in control of everything else that's going on as far as creativity and like who we're playing shows with and what the record's going to look like. And <laughs> right, like uh, like the creative stuff that's that's behind the band. Yeah, 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 and 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 also like the creative marketing side of shit too. You know what I mean? It's not like like I like marketing. I just hate dealing with money. You know, like I loved coming up with like the campaign for the Tired of Tomorrow stuff, like. Right. You know, like just like I love doing shit like that. You know, it's like basic shit I was doing in the bars, like trying to get people in there. You know what I mean? It's just like elevated version of that. Yeah. Well, uh, it, to, to to me, I I really liked I, I, I love it, too, because I think it, it really embodies, you know, kind of who you are as a person. Where It's like, yeah, you're always looking, you know, uh, you're looking at the devious side of things or being like, oh, yeah, I want to ruffle some feathers. Um, but you can do it where it's going to attract attention to your band. It's like, you know, yeah, paint the roof of an abandoned building. Like that's pretty sick. Yeah. And it's like, that, that was, there was not abandoned. There was, <laughs> big, that was a block. That was a block in Brooklyn. It's, uh, was completely, the whole block was filled up and only two of those houses, like four, three of the letters to the left were like a part of the building of the, the house that I knew the person was there. And the rest of them were completely illegal as fuck. <laughs> See, well, yeah, but to, to your point, that's rad because it's like it still embodies kind of who you are as a person, but then it, it attracts attention to the band because they're like, how did they do this? Yeah, some people notice, some people don't. That's the thing I've realized too. A lot of people have a really short attention span and I, I kind of break my, break my back a lot of the time and break everybody else's back in the band a lot of the time. It's, sometimes it's, you know, it, it goes goes really unnoticed. But I guess that's just the way art is though, you know, like maybe like, posthumously uh, someone one day will be like oh, that kid had a good work ethic and he's pretty smart but right. who knows <laughs> right right well I, I think i think there's something to that where you know you approach the way even though you know the, nothing and you know, death of lovers like there are elements of it that aren't rooted in punk or hardcore but you're always going to view it through that spectrum you know you're going to approach it with that same way that you have for all your you know your terrible punk bands or whatever um and i presume that that, i presume that kind of bumps people out that don't have experience with punk and hardcore or have you found that it does it yeah for sure i mean it's not even this that it's like it's like there's there's elements of that but there's also elements of like i have friends and bands that are like from our world that are like you know different genres but they're like successful fucking bands and they like come and ask me for like advice about uh Lagunitas please uh thanks T and you know they ask me for like business advice (laughs) it's just fucking crazy to me (laughs) you know what I mean like I have like guys and like I can't see any bands because like yeah you gotta blow up their spot I don't yeah but like there's like pretty big bands like they ask me like like part time, like help them, like help manage them and shit. And then I'm just like, man, I could barely manage my life. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right, <laughs> right. You know. And I, I mean, I'm sure that is kind of funny to you, just because you're like, yeah, everything that has happened so far has been by, you know, not accident, but like, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know why it worked. Completely, yeah, I don't know why it happened either. It happened for like. It happens because that's what the world is. The world is just this chaotic mess of uh, randomness. It's just like, you know, 
it's just it doesn't ha- it doesn't have a plan for anybody. No one's nothing is planned at all. Everything's chaotic and uh, nothing means anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that that was the, the realizing that was the only thing that ever gave me a up. The only time in my life I felt like I ever had a upper hand in anything is when I until I figured that out. Right. <laughs> um. And, you know, go, uh, going through all of uh, the, you know, chaotic stuff that you did with your last record as far as, like, you know, with Collect and then going to going back to Relapse and stuff like that was, um, I'm sure it was frustrating because you just had to wait around for your record to get released, you know, for much longer than you originally anticipated. Yeah, I mean, that was just a fucking mess. That was a bad idea in general. I got, I see money signs, honestly, to tell you the perf- perfect truth. Yeah, I didn't even think about where they were coming from or anything. I just seen dollar signs and just that's like the, you know, that's the neighborhood coming out of me. You know, I was like, fuck this. That means I don't have to work for a fucking year at least doing this. You know, right? And and that was all that was. You know, and I I really liked what Jeff Rickley was telling, like spewing. It was good enough. You know, uh, he's like, yeah, hey, we got this. He's like, I got a backer. He's like an old Thursday fan. He's a financial guy. It's like he works in hedge funds. or I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I was like, I don't care. I was like, he's willing to spend this much money on us? Yeah, we're in. Fuck it. And Renny, our manager, was just like, yo, we should be wary of this. Like, this is really unstable. And I was like, yeah, but look at the money. And he's like, yeah, I feel you. And he's like, well, if you're going to roll the dice, I'll do it. I was like, I've been rolling my dice, dice my whole life. Like, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Right. What's the what's the worst thing? Well, Any time I've ever asked myself. <sighs> All right. Thanks, T. Oh God. Are they are they giving you off-brand beer? <laughs> Dude, no, it's got something floating in it. I just noticed now. I'm not drinking it. Shit. Uh, yeah, they gave me the, the beer that I didn't ask for, of course. Yeah. There's a shot of Jameson attached to it, though. Yeah. So there's a DJ and like a, like at like ten o'clock tonight. And it's like I'm oh. drinking. It's, it's you one got, now. You got another. You got another five hours. You better slow down. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, like you said, what's the worst that can happen? And then obviously the worst happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we got out of it, so it wasn't the worst thing that happened. I, I mean, it was definitely. Uh, and you know, I, I, I. I I made a statement immediately when I figured out everything was going on and I tried to roll the situation in my fucking favor. Like I always do. I'm not stupid. You know, I, I was making a stand and I was putting ourselves and our band in the record in a really awful position by making a stance on the fact that I'm going to be the first band that's going to say I'm off this fucking label. I'm not doing this record with this guy. It's kind of bummed a lot of people out on the label because they were like, well, we were going to address this as a whole thing. And I was like, there's nothing to address. I'm not doing it. And that's it, you know? And it kind of put us in a really shitty position. But I also knew that it was important that we, I did what I did. You know what I mean? It, was, it had to be done. There's no ifs and rounds around about it. And it's just because everyone else wants to sit and fucking ponder all these things. Like, I already have it figured out. You know what I mean? I'm not doing the record with him. Fuck this guy. Fuck everybody in love with him. And that was it. And... You know, and it wound up working in our favor anyway. Like, you know, people were like, oh, you guys are good guys. I'm like, well. Yeah, you're like, that was partially Right, that's partially true. (laughs) It's partially true, but I also knew that what the fuck was going to happen. It was going to happen to everybody anyway. I could sit here and tell you that I didn't care about any of the shit he was doing. 
I can still couldn't put a fucking record out. You know, that wasn't the case, obviously. Like, I have friends, I have HIV positive friends that, you know, that depend on these kind of medicines that he was inflating and stuff, you know? It's like, but like, you know, it's not always the the case. Like, you know, what, 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 what was going to happen was going to happen regardless, you know? Yeah, totally. Whether, and you just wanted to distance yourself as far as away as you could from it. Yeah, immediately. Cause fuck that guy. I ate that shit. I don't like, yeah, you don't need that in your life. Um, no. <laughs> you think that I relate with any type of shit like that? Like, <laughs> like a guy like that? No, no way. No, just because, you know, just like, because he found music that is somewhat tangentially related to nothing doesn't mean you have any 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 similarities to him <laughs> he also fucking knew to keep me out of his fucking mouth too which is pretty funny he's sitting there talking to the ghost face in that video probably knew that i would come look for his fucking ass because i actually would i would go stalk his fucking apartment so i see him beat the shit out of him totally yeah that's I, think, a- I think he knew it too i think he knew it he didn't he didn't start a fight with me at all <laughs> yeah i love that um and so, like, he'd rather with, fuck with Wu Tang instead. Yeah, he'd rather, right. He'd rather he'd rather mess with people who aren't actually. Gonna I don't do know that. why he would think to mess with Ghostface though. Ghostface no. is a scary guy. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I wouldn't do that. Most normal. People I asked would. him for a selfie once. It didn't at work a out. Vice party. No, he was like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> and he did the selfie with me, and my I tried to take the picture, and my phone fucking had didn't have enough storage. Oh. So I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Hold up, I gotta delete a couple things." And he just looked so pissed, but I got—I still got the selfie at him. Oh hell yeah, dude! You you win on that one. <laughs> that was a long time ago, and then I went to some dinner thing the other day, and he was there, and he didn't remember. Thank God. So <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. Um, yeah. One of them is the uh, you know clearly since you've been doing the uh, you know a Death to Lovers project now for you know quite some time, and you know you play shows with it, and you you're as active as you can be with it. Um, is it basically just like super fun to have these two, you know, diff- different, but you know, kind of similar projects existing in the world where it's like, yeah, man, I'm just, it's just another, it scratches another itch for me. Uh, I mean, it, we, I had dreams of grand door with this thing. Uh, but like Nick, Nick, who I wrote the record with, with Kyle and so then he just like, he's done with touring. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. And like, he quit nothing. Uh, like he gave his week, he gave his most notice a while ago. It's not like like me and him hang talk every single day. Like it's not nothing bad or anything. It just sucks that we put so much work into that record last night. We can't really. I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing it without him. And I really love the project, you know. And I think that has potential to do really well. Uh, but you know, that's the way it goes. You know. Yeah. Well, so- maybe maybe in like thirty years. Before North, North Korea blows us up and like the world is in fire, uh, <laughs> someone will be like, "Yeah, that was a really good record." They yeah, just did something with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and now that that you know nothing has an established kind of you know touring base where you, you can go out and headline and stuff like that. Like, do you uh, do you enjoy touring now, or is it kind of you know does it still, in certain respects, feel an element of work? Nah, man, I hate touring. Okay. Uh, I like playing shows, but I hate touring. I hate being away from my dog. I hate being away from my, my family, friends. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a necessity. Uh, you can't, you know, 
I managed to be lucky enough to be playing music for a living now somehow after all this bullshit. I managed to still be walking around and doing what I want to do in the midst of things that I've done to myself and I've done to other people and haven't been stopped yet as a, as a human. And, uh, you know, it, for better or for worse... I'm here and, you know, and I'm lucky uh, in a sense to be doing what I I care about the most as far as like being a human. Uh, so I, I always respect it, it, whether I like it or not. So that's, right. that's, that's, that's what you get from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, re- you recognize that it's an important part of it, but it doesn't have to be your like, you know, your, your number one joy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like you, you would be in an ideal world. You would just basically create music and put out records and play like you know ten shows a year. Yeah, that would be awesome. Right. <laughs> That's, okay. We'll let's let's see if we can get you there. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I don't see. I don't foresee that being the case. But you, I, I would have never foreseen this happening. You know. Right. Right. And do you, um, you know, kind of the last thing, and this, this may be a big question, but like, do you, you know, do you personally kind of feel, I guess, more, you know, stable or rooted now? Um, and it, you know, you can still live a chaotic lifestyle, but it, you don't have to, you know, feel as like, like you said, sort of crazy, uh, you know, unbalanced. Um, so, you know, wh- where, do, where do you kind of feel like you're, you're at now? Uh, I mean, if you ever had to paint an example of me, it would be a, a, a visual visual painting of unbalance in all senses. So, yeah, I feel like I'm way more chilled out until the day that I'm out for three days straight and, like, get home and I, you know, my relationship is fucked up and I don't have enough money in my bank account to pay rent and, uh you know, I, I don't know, man. Like it, it's it's still it's still day to day things. It's, it's always just a struggle to uh, to to deal with what life is giving you and what you're taking from life and what you're get dealing yourself in life. Uh, you know, I don't think you ever really figure it out. I think it's, it's how much how how little pain you can inflict upon yourself if if that's what you're into. Uh, I think I like inflicting pain on myself subconsciously sometimes. I must at this point because I know I'm not that dumb. So, right, right. You, you're like I I I'm choosing to make the same mistake over and over again. Yeah, I mean it's like standing in front of like incoming traffic sometimes and like moving out of the way at the last second. It's not necessarily because I want to not be in this planet because I have well enough utilities to eliminate myself from the earth. Uh, it's more along the lines of like knowing, feeling what, well, thinking that you know what everything is about and, and just like uh, toying with it sometimes. I think that's that's kind of like how I, I fit in. Right, right. Um, and the last thing I promised was the, uh, like, would you ever play in a hardcore band again? I think I'm too tired to do that. <laughs> got it. <laughs> you got have a little more stamina and energy for that. Yeah, I mean it's like it's too tired. I don't think anybody wants to see somebody standing still in a band. So right, the nothing stuff is enough for me. I think at this point. <laughs> right, right. You're like I'm exhausted after a nothing set. So and I, I yeah. you just you just sing and stand still behind a microphone. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not as I'm not as 
not as exercised as I was in horror show days. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, that was it, and that was Nikki and uh, dude, right? Just a just a great conversation. I also was really, uh, you know, some of you may, or I, I get criticism sometimes from people being like, oh, why don't you ask, like, not the most obvious question, but why don't you talk about the thing that everybody talks to that person about? Um, and, you know, it's not phrased that way. But uh, there are certain things like, you know, Nikki has clearly been in jail. He <laughs> he has uh, discussed that in many, many different avenues. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to kind of belabor that point and ask him, Oh, dude, what'd you get put into prison for? Like, that stuff is easily, easily Googleable. Google a bull. There we go. Blah. But uh, yeah, I wanted to take a little different angle about that. So that's that's hopefully why you listen to this show is, uh, you know, different discussions, like not the exact same thing that you hear kind of over and over from different avenues. So anyways, uh, what do I got for next week? I've got a great show with uh, a person who I am looking up right now, right? <laughs> I have a great chat with Stacy Hilt from the Casket Lottery. He also played in Coalesce as well. Um, I just recently had his bandmate, Nathan Ellis, from Casket Lottery and Coalesce about a month and a half or two months ago. And uh, Stacy actually reached out and was like, dude, I would love to come on the show. And I was like, dude, I would love to talk to you. So it worked out absolutely perfectly. And um, yeah, I'm I'm going to uh, be re- recording a very, very cool, uh, I wouldn't even call it a bonus episode because I'm just going to release it on normal Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be doing a me, myself, and me, myself, and I, <laughs> myself, uh, Joey, and Jeremy, who always, uh, you know, are, are, are compatriots of the show. And we always do our uh, year end best of list, which we, you know, published about, a, you know, two months ago or so. Uh, we're actually going to be reflecting. We're going to be traveling back in time to uh, 2007, in which we talk about our best of records from that year. Uh, Joey came up with the idea, and uh, I think it's going to be very fun to revisit our old best of lists and be like, do these records hold up? Oh, man, that record doesn't hold up. Or like, oh, no, I, I don't regret that decision. So it'll be uh, really funny, and we'll be doing that soon. So that's what you got to look forward to. And uh, I hope you right there, I'm talking to you. Have a good rest of the day, and please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.